Hey, welcome back to the Dayton to Detroit podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am here Great connection. with my good friend, Doc, Doc Detroit, and this is Day Day Dayton. And uh, how you doing up there? Doing very well. Yes, our uh, compadre Aristotle is under the weather. We wish him well. And a sidelined. We hope to have him back soon. Full recovery. And uh, yeah, but um, otherwise, how you been? It's been a couple been weeks. Been working, been busy, been riding the motorcycle, walking the dog. Yep. Oh, cool. Uh, I have these calls. Glad to be back. Yeah. Yeah. I had a uh, paid gig and some stuff came up in the last couple weeks. But uh, we're back, and uh, check this out, man. I've got a new toy. What's that? What kind of a new toy? That is my new cigar box guitar. Did you build it? No, I didn't build it. I bought it off of uh, Cowboy Guitars out of Wilmington, North Carolina. You can check them out on Etsy. And, uh, man, I've been having so much fun with that little thing. Made that from a real cigar box. Yes, an Arturo Fuente cigar box guitar. Uh, it's a fretless, got a fretless uh, neck on it. And, uh, yeah, I've just been jamming down on the blues all weekend. And, uh, yeah, it's got like a, you know, you, I'm not sure how familiar you are with cigar box guitars, but... Uh, yeah, they're meant to be played with like a slide on your finger and you just uh they got th- this one's got three strings some of them got four strings but uh yeah it's been a lot of fun uh you know keeps me out of trouble <laughs> three strings three strings yes I'm, I'm tuning it to g i'm not think what is the open tuning for i think it's gde or gdg um what I've got. It's really yep. cool. Got a pretty sound. And when I hook it up to like a distortion pedal, it just sounds like like Satan straight out of the bottom of a swamp. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's got a great sound to it. Just like. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I can't do it justice with my voice. Three strings, cigar box, guitar. Sounds like you don't need anything more to play the blues. Pretty much. I'm waiting. Uh, you know, I do have a. Uh, got my harmonica here but uh, i did order one of those neck uh like the so you can hold your harmonica in place oh yeah one man band harmonica yeah harmonica yeah so i'm floating in that that direction i've you know i've played the harmonica for her for quite a while um you know uh and i thought wow this would go perfect with this three string cigar box guitar that uh, just got that swampy sound to it man you know <laughs> so yeah that's uh that and just working my hind end off all the time man uh you know you growing know mushrooms harvesting Gro- mushrooms growing mushrooms harvesting mushrooms feeding people getting people uh helping people get some paychecks you know it keeps me busy to say the least that's great yeah as you as you well may know you know i like to stay busy 
keeps me off the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. I've been, uh, been riding the motorcycle. I, I took the motorcycle all about, I don't know, say maybe 15 miles from my house and down to uh, the largest urban park in Michigan, the Rouge Park, uh, which the land goes back right to uh, Henry Ford and Henry Ford's, some of his lieutenants. Sorensen was uh, kind of the father of the casting of the the V8 block for the first, uh, you know, mass-produced production V8 engine. And uh, Sorensen uh, donated his home on the banks of the Rouge River, uh, and it eventually became a, uh, a veterans' recreation center. And because it was a veterans' recreation center, they had a really large... Uh, you know, sailing ship cannon on a pedestal out in front, but the building is long gone. So you're you're driving through Rouge Park and you see a, a giant old sailing ship cannon on a pedestal in front of a parking lot. And I had to actually do some research to find out how it got there. Um, so I stopped there. I, li- I like to ride down to that spot. And I like to ride through that park because there's very little traffic and. And you like to take in Detroit history. I do. So I'm admiring the cannon and the park and the trees and the grass and looking at my bike. And I realized my license plate is flown off the bike. <laughs> oh, <laughs> great. The freeway. <laughs> and so I said, well, before a cop spots me, I'm going to. I'm going to drive to the nearest secretary of state and get me a new license plate. Okay. I thought, I thought this is going to be, uh, uh, you know, a bad experience. The secretary of state's going to be a big crowd and a long line. And then they're going to mail me the license plate. And, you know, by the time I get it, it's going to be too cold to ride the motorcycle anymore this year. No, totally the opposite. I walked in, uh, nobody there. And uh, went right to the front of the line. Five dollars for a new license plate. They couldn't have been nicer. Went to the dollar store next door. Bought some zip ties. Zip tied the license plate on. Back on the road. Woohoo! Yeah, so that was my little adventure there. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I got about a thousand miles on the bike now since I had a brand new motor built for it over the last winter. And so it's a, uh, uh, what, this is 2023, that would make the bike, uh, bike was, uh, is a 1989. So what's that, uh, 23, 23 and 11? Yeah, it's got some years on it. Yeah, 30, 34 year old bike with a brand new motor and uh, just breaking it in. What's the uh, the make and model? It started life as a 1989 Harley Davidson Sportster. Okay. 883. How they say uh, cubic centimeters? Mm-hmm. 54 cubic inch. Now been bored out to a 1250. And uh, yeah, it sounds like one of those Corsair fighter planes. <laughs> so are you going to i i this you know you're uh i'm not 
I'm not intimating in any way at all here that you are uh, anywhere near, uh, say, like a uh, the age of a Joe Biden or uh, a Donald <laughs> Trump, right? <laughs> Who are getting both getting way up there. Um, but I see a lot of the older guys going to uh, three wheelers nowadays. Either like they've got like the two wheels in front and one behind, or I see those all the time. Yep. Yeah, or opposite. You see the one, the, the trike with the two wheels in back. Yeah. Uh, Harleys made into that are very popular. It seemed like with old Harley riders. Mm-hmm. To me, I have ridden um, three wheelers uh, in the trails, and uh, they don't make them anymore because they're unsafe. Um, because a three wheeler, you know, tends to, uh, you turn too sharp going too fast. It, it wants to tip over toward, toward the front, toward the open. Okay. Where there's not a wheel. And, uh, so that's why they went to four wheel, four trackers on the trails. And the, uh, the ones you were talking about, the, a three wheeler that has two wheels in front. Yeah. I see them much safer. Okay. And, uh, they look goofy to me. I don't they know. I, I did before I'd uh, ride a three wheeler, and I'd, I'd just quit riding. But uh, you know, I am getting up there, uh, and I don't know how many more years I'm going to be able to ride. Mm-hmm. But I'm riding this year. So what is it like? The just like the yeah. weight of the weight of the bicycle or the bicycle weight of the motorcycle gets a little bit uh, more challenging. Oh, that could be. Um, yeah, I can still hold this one up. And uh, I don't know. It's dangerous out there. You know, uh, your reflexes get slower. I like to think that, you know, I've got some years of experience under my belt riding and that my experience makes me more cautious and more alert. But uh, things come out of nowhere and it is scary. And uh, there are close calls. People are texting. People people are driving the best they can, paying all the attention that you could ask them to, and they just don't see it because you're on a motorcycle and you tend to blend in with the background. And there, yeah, you know, the brain is wired to see some large boxy thing. So, like I say, I don't know how long I'll keep riding, but you know, yeah. Whenever, whenever I've rode, afternoon. Yeah, whenever I've rode, I've uh, I go overboard. You know, uh, put on a big yellow safety. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I don't call that overboard at all. I call that uh, smart. smart. Yeah. 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 I was riding that. I was a scooter rider and cool. uh, got, uh, well, I, I became not a scooter rider in a day. <laughs> I, uh, I, hell, I was only going 25 uh, miles an hour to this uh, little small Ohio farm town. Going around a curve, lady couldn't see me because of the, uh, basically the, the angle of the curve and the and the building. You know, she was pulling out one of those like just uh, unfortunate spots. Uh huh. And she didn't even. She, yeah, she pulled out, and I saw her like in time enough to avoid hitting her, but I did like go over the handlebars, and. Uh, Thanks. Slammed into the pavement pretty hard because you know I hit hit the brake so hard. Uh, yeah, kind of like just thrown. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I broke a r- or cracked a rib because I was uh, feeling it for about two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was just like, "Wow, that happened so fast." <laughs> so yeah, I have 
full sympathies for all motorcycle riders out there. Everyone stay safe, wear your helmets. Anyone on two wheels, I, you know. Yeah, wear those yellow vests. <laughs> prejudice and animosity between, uh, you know, real bikers that ride real motorcycles and, and you know, guys who ride scooters or, or women. Uh, or, or anything else, but uh, you know, if you're up there on two wheels of any kind out, out there on, in, in traffic on pavement, you you've got my respect because it's uh, it's a dangerous world out there. Yeah, people aren't uh, exactly awake aware of their surroundings. <laughs> yeah, it seems like uh, humans at their worst are just. Uh, uh, some of the, some of the ugliest things humans do, they do because they're thoughtless, right? Yeah, or just not like maybe not. Yeah, well, it, it is a form of thoughtlessness. It's just not stepping back and maybe taking thirty seconds and thinking, "What will happen if I do this?" <laughs> That's all, you know. Uh, and and asking yourself that question, boy, that saves you a lot of problems in life. Uh, if you've got the capabilities to think, you know, think things through, you know, you may like what will happen and you come up with a terrible answer that's not based on any kind of reality. But And there's even a special, not in every state, but in a lot of states, there's a special uh, law, a special class of law, uh, a depraved and wanton heart crime is one where uh, you, you're putting innocent people at risk and you display in some way that you just don't care. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, uh, the wanton part of it. It's like, yeah, I'm driving drunk and, and you know, I'm not the only one that can get hurt because of my actions or, or whatever it is. There's a, uh, yeah, just to say, uh, uh, sure. I'll put people at risk and I don't, I don't care. Yeah, that's uh, that's the classic definition of where your freedom ends. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've heard that. You know, your freedom goes as far as uh, where at the point where your fist hits my nose, right? Yeah. Uh, and then it's not freedom anymore. It's uh, you know, you're Americans. Impo- you're imposing some shit. America's got such a uh, a love affair with freedom and liberty. Uh, the words sometimes don't want to talk about the responsibility that needs to go with it. Oh yeah, More people don't want to be free because they're they're terrified. They have no idea how to act or what to do. Uh, we, you and I are of the age we grew up where uh, you know the big boogeyman was 1984, and you know some kind of Stalinist or. Hitler kind of state, you know, with Big Brother and yeah, everything's locked down. You know, there's a uh, there's another situation that's uh, just as bad or maybe worse, and that's not enough government. Uh, that's anarchy, and uh, you know, the strong take the weak, uh, law of the jungle, and that's what the founding fathers of this country were terrified of. That's why they wrote the Constitution. That's why they instituted the government. And even back in the days of the Founding Fathers, they discussed the balance between uh, the rich people and everybody else. And uh, they understood that uh, down the road, it was going to be uh, 
a crucial thing that you know the rich people get to be free and get to do whatever they like and pursue their happiness and all that but not get too much power well then it becomes at the expense of other other people you know the rich become the strong and the strong take the weak and the government that was supposed to restrain the rich ends up becoming a an instrument of theirs when they can buy up legislatures judges or citizens united baby citizens united united. money money is free speech corporations are people corporations are people all the supreme court is uh, owned by the rich aren't corporations really just filing papers or filed papers because like that's really all you have to do to start a corporation right go to your secretary of state's website in whatever state you're at and download the papers and uh paper exercise uh yeah so corporations are really pieces of paper in the time of uh the founding of this country you could only have a corporation for one purpose you know i'm going to build a bridge over this river here and then i'm going to charge tolls so that we make the money back that we got to lay out to build this bridge it had to be for a fixed number of years that this corporation will exist for 20 years to build this bridge and then it will cease to exist now we have corporations that are bucky fuller wrote brilliantly on this they are gigantic invisible monsters they're they're like um classic hollywood monsters frankenstein stitched together out of parts uh, werewolf a vampire they're blood suckers who are undead cannot die they're gigantic uh, they have armies of lawyers and who can and lobbyists and who can stand against them and uh, I remember as a kid when I thought American corporations were the greatest thing in the world because they provided uh cheap plentiful goods and services and good jobs so that uh, those who worked for them could uh, afford all those goods and services but i think corporations have gotten out of hand uh, i don't think they should be abolished but uh they it's must all, be um uh, it's all regulated. about it's all about incentives right like i talked to a dude a few years ago made a very cogent observation and that was there's more people out here doing bad because there's more incentive to do bad <laughs> it's true i'm not talking about you know like mugging grandmas or something you know um but like just think of all like the legal scams there are going on you know there's tons of people who are employed in legal scams whether they be like a uh some slick talking preacher um talking people out of their dollars or uh i don't know someone telling you that you can get more ppp money for your business <laughs> i get those well, all the time you're on to something and and it goes to when i was 20 i believed i, I was a libertarian i thought and I thought, you know nothing should be against the law uh pretty much if it's not hurting somebody then uh, don't if it's a victimless crime, then don't outlaw it. But I look around today and I go, there's so much that's not against the law that ought to be. And yeah. it's just kind of stuff <laughs> you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Clarence Thomas, he can take what's obviously bribes from billionaires and 
have it influence on the way he votes in Supreme Court cases, uh, but it's not illegal what he's doing. Well, it's certainly immoral, and it certainly ought to be illegal. There certainly should be a code of conduct for the Supreme Court justices. Yeah, because eventually, you know, law, governments, they uh, ultimately depend on the legitimacy, right? So, if, you know, you're... You, you just don't have legitimacy if you're ruling over others. Number one, as a Supreme Court, no one elected them. Um, and number two, if you're doing all kinds of uh, shady business, what? Why am I obligated to follow your rule? <laughs> you know, why if you're if you're taking all my tax dollars and, and giving them to billionaires, why am I obligated? to pay you money because I'm not getting any representation. I'm just paying money to feed into a system that like doesn't represent me at all. Um, that, that, that doesn't mean that there aren't people trying out there. I saw a stat that speaks to what you're saying. It was, it was this morning. It said something like the 50 richest people in America uh, have increased their wealth by a trillion dollars You know, in the last, I, I'm not sure what the number was, say 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they and they gave, you know, the percentage of the population of the United States that 50 people represents. And it was like 0. 0.0000006. And it's like, so <laughs> if this ain't, uh, and yeah, these, these people aren't in government, but they, you know, Bucky Fuller, talked about the invisible power structure that always exists in any human society tell me if if those 50 people don't constitute a big part of the invisible power structure simply by virtue of their incredible wealth that's why i always say politicians are mascots for the invisible power structure sure and especially in in our system where it's basically a popularity contest right yeah, it's like American Idol. <laughs> it really is. I mean, like uh, that's. I mean, everyone's basically trying to be like the the best at being performative. Uh, I mean, Vivek Ramaswamy. What perfect example? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's from Cincinnati. I mean, a total uh, shyster. Uh, you know, made his money off of uh, some failed Alzheimer drug uh, <laughs> that, that he like. Put, you know really hyped up and hyped up and like this is gonna be it and like got all these investors and like and then uh it went nowhere and it had gone nowhere before that's that's the uh sad part about it um and yeah but he's just like oh i could like he could easily um go to the home shopping network right and, and be successful um or any numbers of like marketing gigs and so yeah, that's what every, everyone's just, uh, they're, they're trying way too hard. <laughs> well, this uh, plan that uh, the Heritage Foundation has. 2025, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, basically what it means is the next Republican administration you get is going to institute dictatorship conservative lockdown forever conservative lockdown forever and good luck and defending that people uh you know what i'm saying you know, 
people are willing to vote Republican just because they think, oh, well, you know, I want to vote for a change. Well, buddy, you're going to have a change and it ain't going to be one you like. And uh, it's going to be actually impossible to change it back after that. And so, yeah, you just go ahead and vote for a change. And you you weren't paying attention to what these people were talking about doing. Uh, you better not you better not catch you staying home on Sunday morning, brother. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Um, but see, you know, like I, I'm kind of with Aristotle on this stuff. Like a lot of these, like uh, fascist wet dreams of authoritarianism. Like, how are you actually like? Think about it now. So the one like probably the most authoritarian policy that's uh systematic in the united states maybe maybe there's a one that's more uh explicit but is the war on drugs right yeah here's this thing and uh if you try to put this thing in your body buddy we're going to take you to jail and if you try to sell this you know and it's arguably something that like well hey it's my body i'm you know i'm not it's different if i'm going around like sneak attack dosing people but uh if i'm just at home and i do you know it's my body i should have the freedom to ingest what i want to i i am uh is the old-fashioned libertarian take on that you know and i would i would tend to agree for the most part the end of the the war on drugs and the legalization so far in most states of uh recreational marijuana does seem to me to be a good thing because yeah uh, for years and years you get your life ruined by marijuana not by actually smoking with it but by getting caught with it mm-hmm. and then the courts and the cops and the prosecutors would wreck your life uh, over that or at least cost you a hell of a lot Oh yeah, it's a giant uh, money scam, you know. But uh, yeah, so like the war on drugs, right? A very authoritarian policy. We catch you do this, we put you in a cage. We take your money, we make your, you know. I could go on and on about that. Sure. And how effective has the war on drugs been at stopping drug usage? exactly yeah not at all and so what are you gonna what are you gonna do like make a law that everyone has to be a a white christian unless you were talking overnight and like how are you gonna like enforce that (laughs) like it erodes respect for law when you have no legitimacy yeah you have no legitimacy everybody sees it it's a sham it's a money-making scheme for the state and now prisons themselves are a money-making scheme let's privatize them yeah so uh yeah i don't see that going anywhere uh if anyone's gonna tries to take you know like hey we're gonna all make you go to fucking church on sunday morning like everyone in the country like imagine enforcing that i mean who gets to choose which church because everybody oh yeah then everybody will be starting their own goofball churches up you know uh yeah so I like a guy at work it's, it's, it's so it's absurd on its pre- it's just the premise of it is absurd on its face like just through like any kind of practicality other than like hey we gotta go uh we're gonna co- commit an ar-15 genocide and then uh that 
isn't as easy as someone might think in a uh, in a country that's like where lots of people on every side of the uh, ideological spectrum uh, are packing. Yeah, you know, uh, and I and I think a lot of the over the last few years we've heard a lot of like uh, you know gun braggadocio from like conservative types. Well, all that's really done is just uh, convinced all of their uh, um, opponents to go uh, go out and get armed too. So now they don't. Now they don't have a, uh, you know, like we got more than you. And even so, that like that ain't gonna help you in a situation like that. You'd be you'd be much better off like uh, training in water purification methods. Then <laughs> I go back to when when. Uh... The West wanted to destabilize China back in the day. They mm -hmm. flooded China with guns and Christian uh, missionaries. Mm -hmm. and, uh, looked to me like, I don't know, maybe it's possible the, the same plan is being uh, reenacted today. Yeah, here instead. <laughs> and, and then it gave rise to militias and warlords, and it looks like we're on the verge of that, too. Well, you know, it's been a few years since the uh, U.S. Army's been combat engaged, and uh, you know. the kids ain't signing up no more. There's no more war, so they don't want to go. You had a whole generation that went in right out of high school. I was just thinking about it too, the, like the There's Afghan of, War. Well, those yeah. a lot of the kids not joining now are not joining because they watch their parents get totally uh, screwed over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Anyone thought, yeah, anyone thought about that? You know, they're that age with like, the, they, you know, have uh, military parents through that era. Mm-hmm. And those military parents now got bad knees, psychological problems. Yeah. You can become a mess, uh, if uh, you're not careful, <laughs> you know, I was lucky to be in where I when I was. You know, it was a uh, fairly peaceful era, and then it become became not peaceful right at the end of my uh, my eight years. I really didn't see any uh, any war on the horizon. Yeah, I was you in. Got to invade Grenada. Yeah, I was in like uh, the very end, uh, right before. I got discharged. Um, it was the uh, Persian Gulf. Yep. yep. And um, I was, uh, I got, you know, I got the shots. I did the last will and testament. All right. that shit. We had the fucking ruck, we had the rucksacks packed at the armory. Your name was on the manifest. Ready to go to the airport. And uh, then it all ended. And we were like, we won. The war is over. There'll never be another war ever. <laughs> I mean, no, we were just glad over. we got out of that one. You know, um, just by luck, basically. Uh, that uh, well, I guess it wasn't luck. You know, it was thirty days of cluster bomb pounding of the Iraqi army and military in the Kuwaiti desert. Um, Get rid of all those munitions we stockpiled for potential World War Three in yeah Germany. Yeah, I was Use very much. I was I was very much opposed to uh, the Kuwait War. 
Um, and I think in retrospect, I was right because it just basically opened up a, uh, you know, decades long, um, kind of, uh, hell in the middle East. Um, because oh, never well, what it did, it like, it was, it, it was the war that was like America's back, baby. We ain't no Vietnam shit. Well, yeah. you, you could, uh, make a, pretty strong argument that what the United States has done in Iraq is a a world historic crime against humanity. Oh, but we did it with the best will in the world. We just wanted to help. Yeah, that's a weird way to help. Devastation that we wrought there. And and the whole place is uh you know, still destabilized uh to this day. Oh, yeah. Um we're, we're we're going to be seeing issues as we did this week. We haven't mentioned Hamas. Oh boy, yeah, yeah that shit is. Uh, did you it's see? It's going to get what really super ugly again, as as if it hasn't been ugly for a while. It, it was about three weeks ago. I think there was a big announcement that Israel was going to allow the border between Gaza and Egypt to be opened, uh-huh. and I, I thought two things. I said gee finally that's nice because i know that medicine and food and building materials have been restricted going into gaza and i felt like that was wrong to deny that a very heavily populated small part of the world extremely dense population and only a few square miles wrong to deny them those things and but i said to kathleen i said you know i hope they don't take the opportunity with the border being open again to import a bunch of missiles to shoot at israel like they've done in the past and sure enough uh, it took two three weeks and there's this massive attack and uh, this is dreadful hostages have been taken uh, and it's not over. And oh, Israel no, going to send in a ground invasion. Like oh, it's like, just a matter of time right now. They cannot bomb in that small, heavily congested area without killing a lot of innocent people. Or maybe they don't think anybody's innocent in there. It's it's very sad. Yeah, it's a bad situation. Uh, but hey. There's something I meant to get to today, but we were going to save. We'll save it for next time. What is um, it? I want to know. Yeah, well, it's a multifaceted topic because okay. uh, we are running down. And what? How much time we got here? We got a minute twenty-four, um, and it is lesser f- known facts about Dayton, and we could fill that oh, in cool. with lesser lesser known facts about Detroit. Right. Nice. So I'm going to read one here, and I'll have a whole list of them we can talk about, and I think it'll lead to all kinds of side conversations. Very cool. Is Dayton was founded on April Fool's Day, 1796. So that's, a, that's one little known fact. I think that April says, Fool. yeah, it says a lot about us down here. Uh, we, we got a lot of characters <laughs> who, uh, you know, who will fool your ass. That's for sure. I bet Detroit does too. <laughs> Long history of it. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, man, I'm going to step away from the mic. It's been great talking to you. I'll look forward to next week. Yes. You Hope tell you Aristotle. Yes. Tell him uh, best wishes all the way. Get back. Recover. People missing. Yeah. All right. All right. You take care, brother. Have a good week. See you. Bye-bye.